Now, those of you who were there know that in 1973, Sam promised he would come back, and <laughs> here he is, just <laughs> like he said he would. <laughs> Man management promised they'd have him back. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, well, well, it's uh, a wonderful treat, uh, as I know it is for you all, and, and uh, beautiful day today, and it's been a beautiful weekend. It's going to be a beautiful evening, and... Uh, so nice to be able to sit here under this tent with uh, an incredible amount of talent right now on the stage. We got 16 strings on stage at the moment. We may have 24 before it's over. If the strings make little <laughs> strings. They make it? <laughs> if yes. Uh, this gentleman sitting next to me, what a treat. You don't really don't need to say a whole lot about him except for that there was sort of music, uh, this kind of music before him and after him, and it was... It was changed in some good ways with him uh, in that spot. So uh, it's a pleasure. Sam Bush. And uh, to my far left here, he is sort of our, our homeboy here at this festival. His sort of family is kind of like the host family of this festival. And, and, of course, a member of Furnace Mountain. But so many, so many groups and just a, a dear friend of mine. It's always a pleasure when I get to say make Danny nicely feel welcome too. Thank you so much. <laughs> and what we're going to do here is we're going to have a little music, maybe chat a little bit, maybe get a chance for a question or two from the audience, but I always think a great way to start these is just to kind of warm up and maybe pick on one if you guys could maybe do that or be into that. Okay. All right. Are we on? Is it beautiful? <laughs> Two mandolins should sound slightly more out of tune than one mandolin. <laughs> it literally sounds like there's more of us. Sorry. Yeah.
Danny, let's do the Vassar Clemens licks. sounded all right. It sounded okay. I think we need like eight more strings to fill it we out. We really do. Can we get that somewhere? We really, we really drew. It sounded a little thin. I don't. Oh, here we go. We need one more mandolin. This will take care. Not just any mandolin will do. <laughs> here comes treble. Well, look who just got on stage. Make him feel welcome. What a pleasure. Drew Emmett. Over yeah, Drew. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Hey, we, I wanted to, uh, I showed this to Sam uh, before we got on. I just wanted to show it to you. This is the, uh, this is the uh, lineup, the lineup for the 1973 Watermelon Park Bluegrass Festival right here. Our crack staff put this together in very short notice. And this is, we had the Osborne Brothers. Uh, we had, if you remember, Bobby came last year and talked about the first one. Uh, the Country Gentlemen were here, Seldom Seen, Jimmy Martin, Charlie Monroe, Mac Wiseman, <laughs> Lily Brothers, Lewis Family. That's right, Pop. Frank Wakefield. Dominion Bluegrass, uh, and then these bunch of freaky hippie guys, the New Grass Revival were here. Whoa. I don't know if John Miller's here, the son of John Miller Mr. Jr.'s here. He, he had told a story about his dad that, you know, the old guy owned the place, you know, and, and, and said when Curtis got off the, out of the car, Curtis Bird said, he said, Oh, that's going to bring a bad element here. <laughs> that's how he said Those are his exact words. What was it like? I mean, if you could just share with us. I know you were only three, year old, three or four years old at the time of that festival, but if you could just tell us a little bit about what that was like, those early days, festivals like this with that band. Not quite this organized. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you know, there w that was a good thing about that time. I think seems like festivals now can be more like, well, this is specifically an old-time festival. This one is specifically a, you know, Newgrass Festival or what have you. Back then, with that lineup that you just read, uh, you noticed, I mean, to us, the most progressive people on earth were the Osborne brothers. Right. And um, nobody was more progressive than them. And, and uh, so to go through the variety of um, music, because I think all the musicians, we were... They, they embraced us. We were the younger band, you know, one of the younger bands. And so, but especially uh, people like Mac Wiseman took us under his wing and was always really kind to us. And I think you can probably credit Mac Wiseman for the reason I get to be here today. Uh, See, I can't remember which year it was. It was either 72 or 73. And um, I'm out here wandering around a field somewhere and uh, come around a tent. And uh, there was some good old boys greeted me, about <laughs> five of them. And uh, they 
I can't go into what all they said, but <laughs> one of the nicest things is we're going to cut your hair. <laughs> that was one of the that was one of the nicer things they said. So uh, you know, it's it's one of those moments. It was a moment, that, and um, I found myself actually getting pretty scared because I'd never encountered that before. Because really, we're all here to hear bluegrass style music, and uh, you know. So I, I, it, it didn't make sense to me. At any rate, I'm starting to freak out, and um, they're getting closer, and I'm freaking more, and uh, I, I know I can't take all five of them. <laughs> Couldn't have took one of them, but uh, um, all of a sudden, Mac Wiseman comes around the side of the tent. And, How you doing, Sam? I said better now <laughs> and he, he sussed the situation and he, he just said i think right you better now. come with me i said i think that's a great idea mac <laughs> so, so thank you mac wiseman for, yeah. for thank you mac for many things <laughs> well what do you say we got a new friend up here drew you want to you just sat down you want to lead these folks in something you want to play something what do you uh, think i don't want to work you too hard a parade <laughs> yeah. Oh. You missed the. Uh, well, that's the, later, the actually, boat. the parade. It's not, it's not New Year's Eve yet, Drew. Hang on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I love a parade. <laughs> um, think for a second on that. Um, how about some old timey? Like yeah. Angelina Baker, maybe. Sure. Like Something completely different. Ricky D. I think it's always interesting whenever, you know, we're, we're all known for playing progressive music and what have you. When we sit down and just kind of look at each other, go right back to the roots. Yeah. What fiddle tune are we going to play? That's right. <laughs>
Whereas I was saying earlier, this, uh, you know, I just that that there was sort of like music before Sam and after Sam and during Sam. But it's and he's I know you're humble, and, but uh, you know there are certain groups. So many groups are so wonderful; they give so much joy to so many people. And then I think there are groups that are also very very important in everything that happens after. And I think that the new grass revival and everything that you've you've done. I get in my work I get to spend a lot of time running around in the hills and seeing a lot of amazing young people now. I mean my god, these kids, uh, you know, 10 years old, 11 year old, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I don't know if you've seen it. It's utterly ridiculous the way these kids can play. Um, and and you know, if you talk to them a little bit, you know, at some point in their conversation they mention Sam, you know, just as a somebody that turned them on to it. So for that alone I suppose that's a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> Drew, Drew, how did you get into, how did you get drawn to the mandolin and to this music? And Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's true, though. Yeah, right. That, 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 there, that there ain't no part of nothing. It no, ain't no, no part of nothing. I started out that way, and then uh, I got into um, probably Newgrass Revival and, and Hot Rise and uh, David Grisman and uh, Mike Marshall and all, all those great pickers. But um, probably mostly it's his fault. If I would, were to blame anybody, it would definitely be his fault. So, yeah. I... I, I need to meet your barber, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely got way into uh, Sam Bush's playing and, and Newgrass Revival, and uh, that's definitely what really probably inspired me to play the mandolin the most, I'd have to say. Yeah. Yeah. And then Danny Nicely came along and blew my mind several years ago. And, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's say hi to Danny nicely. It's always a treat. How's it going? How's, how's everything? Danny hasn't been here since 1973 either, so this is incredible. I haven't been here no, at all. <laughs> but, uh, I do remember 1975. Shoot, I couldn't walk for a year. Yeah. <laughs> Danny is, uh, it's funny, you go up around here, everybody knows Danny, and then sometimes I go out there, and it's, it's, not, it's amazing to me how many people don't know you, Danny. It's like, it's like it, musicians is know Danny, you know? Uh, what's the problem? How come you're not, like, super famous, and what's going on? Can we figure this out? Uh, I guess it was, uh, I guess it was because my, you know, my booking agent died, but that was like two years ago, <laughs> and I didn't even know it <laughs> until last week. <laughs> you didn't, didn't see a dip in uh, gigs? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, play, a lot of, play a lot of places, you know, uh, Percival and uh, Lovettsville, places around, and I, I play small towns, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I play some, <laughs> so may maybe I'll be coming to a small town near you. I hope so. I'll see you there. Well, Danny, you want to take these guys on some somewhere? I don't know what you want to do. <laughs> I still want to do the lazy numbers. Okay. I want to do the uh, the blue last stop. Yeah. Uh, 
Here we go. We're going to do a little bit of the bluegrass stomp here. It's a Bill Monroe number.
<laughs> Dan, I heard you barefooting in there a little bit. It's somewhere in there. <laughs> yes, yes. How about this? Y'all enjoying yourselves this afternoon here? With Drew Emmett, Danny Nicely, and Sam Bush and their mandolins. And uh, that's right. Sam, those guys, by the way, that they came, they're here, those guys, and they want to apologize about your hair. They, they said now they're more, ref you know, they're more mature, they're more comfortable with themselves. Uh, and they look like they, me now. They've yeah. been reflective about it. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. I always, uh, I got to do this just a couple times in my life to sit this close to, uh, to Sam when he, when he chops. On, uh, well, when he picks too, but I just, I always found you to be one of the great innovators of that. And uh, so funky. And uh, is that a, it's, some it's, of those things it, you kind of came up with? I mean, it's, it's funky, all right. That's <laughs> for sure. Well, any, any mandolin chop, I mean, whether you've listened to Bill Monroe or not, you're, you, if, if you, our mandolin player and you like to make any kind of rhythm chop in the form of bluegrass kind of music it did come from bill monroe and um i've, I've often wondered because if, if i as i am a fan of bill monroe throughout his career and um earlier in his career he didn't do that mandolin chop and and i guess it started somewhere in the latter 50s maybe i i, I hadn't thought much about it i was recording uh, working on a record with Peter Rowan where he did all Bill Monroe tunes and, and uh, actually Bill was supposed to play on the record and couldn't make the date. <laughs> so I got the job. And, uh, and well, when, and when you do that, you have, I feel a certain responsibility to play that style. That's what fits, obviously. And um, so I didn't think anything about it until Peter told me, he goes, you know, some of these songs you, you shouldn't be chopping rhythm on because Bill wasn't doing that yet. Like, okay, so, you know, you learn something every day. But I've often wondered... Because uh, the way that Bill kind of was chopping rhythm, it was sort of like a, a full guitar strum. And, uh, and when you make this chop, you're kind of actually sort of releasing the strings as you hit them with your pick. In other words, if you, you're kind of letting the percussiveness of that happen. If you weren't doing that, it would just be this. So in other words, earlier in Bill's life, he was probably and it, it turned into this. But it's a full kind of complete rhythmic thing that he was doing. It's not just the upbeat, but... So, you know, growing up, and, and I grew up listening to some of the greatest ones. I, was, I, I loved John Duffy's rhythm chop. I thought he had a wonderful chop. Uh, Bobby Osborne certainly did. Uh, Bill Monroe, Ronnie Reno. Um, so I... I had the advantage of watching some of these master choppers, <laughs> and uh, and just over the years, and I was the way my crazy brain works is that when I first heard Bob Marley and the Whalers, mm -hmm. the first thing that I noticed was the rhythm guitar, and that to me it sounded kind of like bluegrass mandolin backbeat chopping. Like I say, the way my brain works, and so <laughs> I don't know if every <laughs> it's everyone that way. So you know it. And as a, I, I, I played drums in the marching band high school, so me, that means I could play one drum at a time, never a, <laughs> and never very well. But, uh, but I learned things about certain rudiments on a snare drum and wondered if you couldn't incorporate that into a, a, a rhythm kind of thing where you're approximating the kit, so to speak. So 
after I heard the Wailers and I started hearing somebody, if the backbeat would be. So that, you know, from knowing bluegrass chopping kind of came from that. And then to just to try to sort of approximate a drum kit within your little chop. So just making little, and I guess somewhere along the line, I learned to damp it with the side of the finger. Just, I don't, I think it just, it came about from playing in really loud bars with inadequate sound systems and you just, we're all trying to make a backbeat somewhere that we can hear each other with. So it's kind of, and maybe that's how the, the bluegrass rhythm of Bill got going with, within that ensemble, making that backbeat fit perfectly with the other instruments. Anything can be done, Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> A friend of mine, yeah, I'll tell okay, yeah, here. Uh, yeah, a friend of mine in Nashville uh, passed away a few years ago, but he was one of the uh, funniest guys I ever met, and we used to play in a band called the Nashville Jug Band, and he did, um, his name's Ed Dye, and uh, Ed, was the ringleader of our jug band, about 14 piece band, and this would have been uh, his version of uh, a Bill Monroe tune. <laughs> Two, three, four. Blue Moon of old Kentucky, shine on. Shine on, the one that make I blue. Blue Moon. Kentucky shine on, shine on the one who go and make I blue. Well, it was on a moonlight night, the stars were shining bright. We whispered from a height, all your lovers said goodbye. Oh, blue moon, oh, old Kentucky shine on. Shine on the one who made Bob Marley blue.
Well, it was on a moonlight night. The star was shining bright. It went so from out in the height. Your love has said goodbye. Oh, moon of old Kentucky, shine on. Rasta man don't want no CI. Shine on the one that wants to go and make our blue. Shine on the one who go and make our blue. <laughs> Anything works. Oh, it's hard to know where to go. That was the Blue Mountain Moon of Kentucky there for you. Right, Blue Mountain Moon of Kentucky. Wow, what a treat. (laughs) And all these guys, you know, as they said, they're rooted in the tradition. They can can play those fiddle tunes all night. They also are all such innovators and brought so much to it. And remember the first time, Drew, I saw you play the slide on the mandolin. That's a... Is that something you kind of came up... I I didn't... You stole that from him, too? I did. Actually, uh, <laughs> Sam uh, was doing the slide on the, uh, the dobro mandolin, the acoustic slide, and then uh, I just put a distortion pedal to it and uh, just turned it up a little more. But awesome. that was yeah, definitely... Drew's got his own thing going on. Yeah, I've always played it on acoustic uh, old national metal body, but Drew can take it into... I tried to do that the other night on my electric, too. I I, yeah, I looked at the guys. <laughs> I go, hey, watch this. I'm going to do Drew. <laughs> It, uh, it wasn't exactly, didn't exactly sound like Drew, sorry. <laughs> That's one of those, you go away with your tail between your legs just a little bit. <laughs> I tried, I like, though. I like when Drew gets so high, he, he actually, the slide goes over the bridge, and he's like behind the bridge. <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere else with that. Uh, I was yeah. totally, totally speaking in uh, <laughs> intonational terms. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, we have time for like one or two quick questions uh, from the audience. If you raise your hand, I will try to... Don't all do it at the same time. Yes, sir. He was asking, for those of you who couldn't hear, just about the progression of the music when it started, the bluegrass started to merge more with rock and roll and other things, and how did some of the old timers, of the, some of the fathers of bluegrass maybe, audiences and artists, I guess, respond to that besides trying to beat you up in the parking lot? Well, that was pretty rare. <laughs> uh, no, we were always accepted. It was just that uh, Carlton Haney was the main um, festival producer that would hire us, so thankfully Carlton did hire us, and... We would always end up playing about midnight every night. One time I said, Carlton, couldn't, could we play a little earlier in the <laughs> evening? I said, but ballers, that's when your people are up. <laughs> All 40 of them. <laughs> but, I mean, there, it, it is, I think there was a perception in the early 70s and a fear amongst bluegrass traditionalists that everybody would want to play this rock and roll kind of new grass kind of stuff. But it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, before I got out of high school in 1970, I mean, the, the, the 60s records made by Flatt and Scruggs 
in, included full drum kit. They were trying uh, harmonica. They were trying this and that. Young Randy Scruggs was playing the guitar with them in the studio. Now they had a lead guitar going. And they were doing uh, songs. Uh, there's this, there's, I mean, it's one of my favorites because I, I like all periods of Flatten Scruggs. Some people thought this was their terrible period where they, <laughs> where they were, but they were recording uh, with other musicians playing with them, drummers and what have you. And they were, do, and there's one record they made. It's one of my favorite called Nashville Airplane, and uh, and they're doing. They did like a Rolling Stone. Uh, <laughs> Universal Soldier by Donovan. Uh, I'm serious. I mean, you know, and it's like I say, compared to their classic stuff that we all love, I still love it. It's still there's nothing like hearing Lester Flat sing like a Rolling Stone. If, uh, and so, by the time we come along, and I've been listening to the Osborne Brothers and the Dillards and Jim and Jesse and the Greenbrier Boys and and the Dillards had been making these tremendous records with horns and strings, and it was just really innovative. And uh, so by the time, and, you know, we, we learned our version of Great Balls of Fire by watching the Glenn Campbell show and seeing John Hartford and Glenn Campbell do it bluegrass style. So, you know, to me, for us, I don't think, I mean, I think all we've ever thought about is music. And we love old-time bluegrass, but we love everything, and, and that's, that's reflective in the way the bands play now. Yeah, real quick. Okay, he's asking, I think we know what the favorite instrument that they like to play, but we don't know. They play, all these guys uh, play multiple instruments. Sam's a great fiddler. I've seen him on the, electric on the electric guitar, and Danny plays anything <laughs> with strings, and... Uh, Drew, I've only seen you play mandolin, but I have a feeling you probably do some other things Drew, as well. Drew's right? a wonderful electric guitar yeah, player, a yeah, fine fiddler. Yeah. Uh, so he, he, yes, we all kind of we all kind of play these too much talent. <laughs> so he was sort of asking, is is um, you know just what is your favorite thing to play, and and which and if so, a specific instrument you're asking about? Do you have like your favorite instrument? The, the, I get my favorite is to play the mandolin, and 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 this is my favorite one. I've had I've had it since 1973. His name is Hoss. <laughs> Hoss. Hoss. <laughs> Danny, you play uh, everything. It seems like Mando, though, is kind of you get in the mood. Usually, whichever one I'm holding is my favorite <laughs> one at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I saw you play a stick with that's a right, string right? on it one night, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> you made it sound yeah, that's really my good. Favorite instrument? It's just a uh, gallon-sized coffee can and a hammer handle. <laughs> And one mandolin string, yeah. And it's actually the only electric instrument I'd ever played. I had a put a pickup in it, and you know it's really easy to do all the classic rock stuff, all the Black Sabbath, and you know all the stuff that I'm really into. So uh, you know, you don't want to limit yourself to the pre-existing instruments, you know. No, no. Oh my! Well, I think it's a, unfortunately about that time. I you got to play something else, and again. Um, uh, it's it's what I love about these things is that you you just don't get to see stuff like this. This is like a moment that happened here, and I'm glad that you all are here for to see Sam and and Danny and Drew. And if you want to hear that version of uh, "Like a Rolling Stone" by Flatten Scruggs, 
go to the Frost Diner in Warrington, Virginia, down here, and and it's the kind of diner where you get your own little jukebox in your own booth, and uh, you can yeah, it's on there. It's also a good version, Osborne Brothers version of Up This Hill and Down, and that's that's the kind of stuff that Sam's talking about. So just go to the Frost. You can check that kind of music out there. It was a single, yeah. I have the single. I have the single. I can't remember what's on the other side. Let's do that. I got to tell one more little story about Watermelon Park. And I can't remember what year this was. And I just barely caught it. I heard it was happening. And I came running. Lester Flatt and the Nashville Grass were on stage in white suits and hats. And somebody, there's, there's a, on the stage, there were all these bird nests all around active bird nest and uh, somebody rigged them with firecrackers in succession. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right here. I, I, that may have been when the song Purple Rain was written. I'm not sure. It was an amazing scene. <laughs> Pretty much the end of that set. but. <laughs> Probably guarded the stage better at night after that. (laughs) 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 Some more more civilized now, boys. (laughs) 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 All right, what are we doing? Clutch Mountain. Yeah. Are we we close to Clutch Mountain? Okay. We'll play the Clinch Mountain Backstep. Slip. Yeah. Who's starting? <laughs> Drew is. Danny is.
Sam Bush, Danny Nicely, and Drew Emmett. They're all going to be on that stage tonight. It'll be a good night.